Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn from the Go Long newsletter at golongtd.com. Uh, yeah, just a quick preview on today's podcast. We're going to break this up into a two-parter. Uh, when we get talking, when we get drinking, things can tend to get a little long. So first part, talk a lot about the NFL draft. Uh, what matters at pro days, what doesn't matter at pro days, just how we all consume the NFL draft this time of year, Jim's perspective and Jim's stories, again, through the roof. Part two, we catch up with Chris Manhurts. You may remember him here in Western New York, uh, one of Kenesha's basketball's best players, best rebounders of all time, and didn't even play football, JV, high school, at any point in his life. Until the NFL, which is remarkable. So we get into all of that with Chris and just want to remind everybody here when you subscribe to Go Long at GoLongTD.com annually, you'll get a hooded sweatshirt or a crew sweatshirt on the house. We'll be in touch via email. We'll make that happen. I think you'll all be really jacked up to see what we have coming these uh, these next weeks and months through the off season. So would love to have you join our community and to everybody who has Thank you so much. Eternally grateful for that. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas. Another episode... Go Long Podcast, Jim. We are live at Hamburg Brewery, drinking a couple Louis on a fine Tuesday night here. Man, it's, I think it's like 65 degrees. you got to love it. I'm glad you told me it's Tuesday night because I'm still confused on what day it is because I'm so used to the NCAA tournament being Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But 
we got the treat this year of the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And yes, I'm a Maryland basketball fan. Everybody knows me, knows that. But not gonna lie, studied them enough this year, and and sometimes business has to take over your personal beliefs. And had to throw down on Alabama last night, and and it, it hit. And I'm very happy right now. And these Louis IPAs and Optimoniums are tasting <laughs> a lot better after that nice win last night. And uh, I just love this time of year. Pro days, March Madness. It's all the same. It's all just craziness. The house that Lonnie Baxter built. Now, how you went? You went there on me. That's one of my all-time favorites. Couldn't jump. The round low post. Pound of pound of rebound. Hey, soft hands, great around the rim. Couldn't jump. Dominant barely could dunk. Yeah, he. You know, we're Dominant. talking about a three-inch vertical. So there. I used to tell all my friends, I was like, I don't, I don't know if Julius Peppers is going to be a very good NFL player because I saw Lonnie Baxter dominate him in college. I was joking, obviously, but I have a little. <laughs> But when you see a guy like Lonnie Baxter just play the game with very limited ability, slow feet, couldn't jump, but be successful, it goes to show you that there are different ways to make it in any sport you're in other than being the fastest. Yes, mute. Biggest guy shooting people at the White House or whatever yeah. he did, shooting guns. But Is that right? Oh, yeah, he got in some trouble after. Things went bad after the championship no days at Maryland. Yeah. You know, it's... It, well, they got to dark see it. pretty fast, sir. Well, too. no, not dark. He's okay, I think. But Juan Dixon had his troubles, yeah. and those Maryland Duke games were fun. Hey, I mean, they were. Don't get me started. That's another podcast. Yeah. There was a time where Maryland, Maryland was Duke's rival. It wasn't North Carolina there for a little yeah. bit? Well, I gotta say, I mean, I, I caught Syracuse's second round game. I mean, the, the brackets break and really good for them, but. I mean, you can relate with little Walter, like, you know, well, you just basically lose control of the television at this stage of life. Like, so my brother-in-law, Clint, I used to make fun of him every time I'd go home. You know, I, I lived out in Green Bay for a while. I'd come home and, you know, he just had his son and then they had a daughter with my sister. And I said, Clint, man, you got to take back control of the TV. Like, we go to their house and it's like, you know, cartoons and all these kids shows and I bring up something that happened in sports. It's like, what? That happened? And he had no idea. And I would make, I'd mock him, right? And now it's March Madness, and it's Mickey Mouse's Clubhouse and Coco Melon and, you know, Paw Patrol. And it's, you, you just got to gotta give up control. There's, there's nothing you can do. It's, it's, it's a losing battle as there a father. absolutely nothing you can do. If you appreciate... Sports Center a little bit more when you have a kid. I was never a big like watch highlight guy, and I felt like I always knew what was going on. But you're right. When you have kids, you don't really see everything, and Sports Center becomes valuable, and you can't sleep at night, and you catch up on things. But this time of year, it's like one thing after the next. Whether it's who ran the fastest forty today, yeah, is going to be the next guy, or did Mac Jones miss two passes at his pro day at Alabama today, and he's falling in the rankings? Which I got a laugh, Jim. I mean, there was some, <laughs> I saw it on Twitter. Somebody ran a forty. I think it was Mac Jones's forty. And there's a line of scouts like lined up at the finish line, oh. and they all have stopwatches. So this was you, right? Once upon a time, and everybody has a stopwatch, and like. <laughs> You're rubbing your eyes right now. Who can't see? This is hard for me to talk about. If you, you can't tell me the technology isn't in place where you don't even stop watch at the finish line. Tyler, you couldn't be more right on this. <laughs> it was the most embarrassing thing is when you're working as a scout to go to a pro day. And every single scout has to time his own 40. 
because you can't trust if it's electronically done or if one person's timing it. You can't go off that time. You have to have – everybody has to time it, and nobody wants to say what they got. Now, if you watch closely when you watch these guys run a 40 at a pro day, if you're actually watching a pro day, you love football. I give you credit, and thank you. You're, you know, you're keeping the NFL in business. I, I find it unwatchable. But when you see those lines of scouts, when you see the guy cross that 40, pay attention to the scouts for a second. You will see all of them click their watch and look at each other and show each other. They'll just kind of – kind of show you their club they're all showing each other did you get that did you oh i had him at, i had him at four five two no 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 i had him at four four nine that's the difference in he's fast or slow that four four nine or four five two and it's why i never like pro days and you know it, it's it's hard for me to watch but i do respect these guys for going out there and giving it you know they're competing and trying to put up their best times it is strange to see and you kind of have to do it as a scout right like you're down there like, no, no, you have to do it. It's part of the job. And and really, the, the players deserve your attention this time of year. I mean, they do. They're out there working hard, and this is the last step before the draft, and it's their way to show you I'm in shape, I'm working hard, I can do this. But if you're a scout going there trying to just study their times and jumps, you're, you're missing out. Man. You're right. You know, on a Tuesday yeah. at 2 o'clock, it is interesting that people are nestling into the chair to watch a little pro day action, Jim. I'm waiting to see the go long mock draft 3.0. Like, when are you going to start just cranking out mock drafts was, for subscribers? I was thinking about doing a mock draft of like. Who's your first pick? Like you, Seinfeld episode. Yeah, do. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, let's Ooh. do a Seinfeld episode mock draft. Love this. Well, so if we're if we're doing a Seinfeld mock draft episodes, I mean, you're a pretty good guy, Jim, with a good sense. I just assume that you love the show. My favorite line, I don't remember the episode. I'd have to go back. But when George told Jerry, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> it's yeah. so true. And it's so good. And it's really what's going on right now in, in sports and football. Yeah. Hey, yeah. say whatever you want. Put a mock draft up there. If you believe it, hey, go for it. If you believe it. If you think, invent it. Hey, if you, you know, think, why not? Yeah, if you think Trey Lance is better than Justin Fields, go for it. You know, shit it out of the atmosphere. See throw it happens. out there and see what happens. See, see who subscribes. See your website. I want to see a good undrafted free agency prediction. Is what I want to see, Jim. Like who's not going to get drafted, but it's going to make it in the NFL. Now, That's think about that. Grind. If you could predict that, you know, obviously that guy should should be drafted, and yeah. he should be working for an NFL team. Absolutely. I like that whole take. Right, an undrafted mock draft. I want to hear a name that's completely made up. And just see if anybody believes it. And I'm going to look this guy up. You, it, these guys are unbelievable. I mean, you're going to you, – you do this Johnny long Appleseed. enough. You do this long enough, you'll find – you'll hear everybody poke holes in everybody. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. I told you this before. You, you'll beat a guy down because he didn't run a good three-cone drill. And, I, I, you know, we had Roman Harper on the show from Alabama working for SEC Network now, Saints Hall of Famer. And I spoke to him a couple weeks ago, and he was covering these pro days. And he was asking me, Jim, what do we, what do you guys look for in the three-cone drill? I said, nothing. What do you look for in the short shuttle? I said, nothing. Bench press, nothing. I don't know what to tell you to look for in these drills other than, you know, you hope you see. To me, it's a way to check yourself as a scout. Yeah. Go back and evaluate. Hey, maybe if a guy didn't perform well, maybe you missed something. But Brady Quinn, I'll never forget this. He did more bench press reps the quarterback from Notre Dame, 
he did more bench press reps than Jiree Evans did, who we drafted with the Saints, who's in going to be in the should be a Hall of Fame guard when it's all said and done when they no evaluate doubt. his career from Bloomsburg University. He did 16 reps, and I think Brady did 20 reps at 225. Well, now how do you judge that if you're you know you want the offensive lineman right to be? We, we just laughed about it, like because all Jiree Evans did was get his hands on, <clears throat> on players and maul them and just blow them off the ball. So bench press doesn't matter. When do you just stand still and dr- jump straight up in the air in football? You don't. You're running and jumping. Yeah. So I don't know what it all translates to, but I know you have to do it and you have to pay attention to it. I mean, this podcast always comes back to Patrick Mahomes, and we're talking major dad bod there, the best player in the game. And nobody on their mock drafts, whether it was 1.0, 2.0, nobody ever had Mahomes going number one. They had right. plenty of time to change it. I would love a <clears> – <throat> A 30 for 30 on the Patrick Mahomes mock draft. Like, did anybody at any point, anybody crapping this stuff out, say that Patrick Mahomes could be a future MVP? Like, no, one. nobody said that. Oh, one. Terry Pagula, the there Buffalo Bills owner. There it is. He, Terry should have started his mock draft website back then. He should have. He would have hit so big. He'd be a, like, multi billionaire ten mm-hmm. times over. It's the worst. Shady McCoy who's one of my all-time favorite players that I ever scouted, his vertical jump was 29 inches. Get the hell out of here. Are you serious? He will tell you that. And we laughed. Shady and I laughed about it. We talked about it. He couldn't jump. But you know what he could do? He could make eight guys miss in one play and lead the NFL in well, rushing. You know, it's like, is that what we're studying right now? A jump? Well, this is a, you know what they call that in the biz gym? A segue. That's a perfect segue there. So... At Go Long, this morning, we have a story up on Joshi Matterbebe, the Illinois wide receiver. Started his career at USC, was there for three years, had two catches for 11 yards. <laughs> Highly recruited, 30-plus scholarship offers out of uh, North Gwinnett High School in Georgia. And it was the hype was kind of rooted in exactly what we're talking about, Jim. It was a 47-inch vertical leap at a Nike, the Nike's the opening in Oregon. And he blew up, you know, the, the video's viral. It's got 1.33 million views, something like that. And he gets to USC, his dream school, doesn't play, can't even get on the field. Trent graduates at USC a year early, has two years of eligibility, goes to Illinois, and, you know, he's in this run-first offense. They don't really throw the ball out there in the Big Ten. But he had 33 catches, and nine of them were touchdowns. And we just watched some of the highlights before we hit record. And he's got some game. I mean, he, he high points it. He runs through arm tackles. He's got freaking explosion in every way. Last year was, you know, in 20, so that was 2019. 2020, they had four different quarterbacks. Everybody's getting COVID. It was kind of a wash. But to me, like, he is maybe the most fascinating prospect in this NFL draft class. And, I hope people subscribe to Go Long. Check out the story. We got it up. We talked at at length about this for about an hour and about going to USC and having his hopes and dreams crushed. I mean, he thought he was finished. He thought he was done. Transferred to Illinois. At least turned himself into what he believes could be a DK Metcalf-like ascension. You know, DK at Ole Miss, he wasn't necessarily featured. He wasn't necessarily showing his best stuff in that offense and he had some physical gifts. So he's hoping his physical gifts 
you know, we're kind of mocking that vertical leap. He's hoping that that, and he bench pressed a ton. I think it was like 27 reps, ran a 4-4. So he's got all this ability. He's hoping that an NFL team with NFL coaches can take all this ability and do something with it. And right now you look at the mock drafts and the rankings. Um, he's like a mid-round pick, a, a low-round pick. You know, nobody really is giving this guy much love. And, you know, if, if you're looking at raw ability, he's got the tools. He's got that ability. You saw it. We just watched it. I want to know if you're, you know, scouting a guy like Joshi Matorbebe, how do you navigate this all, Jim? You'd love to know that they they all match up where you want to see the pro day and the tape kind of come in sync, kind of match up, and, and make you feel confident. And, hey, okay, this pro day, yeah, he runs, you know, whatever. He runs whatever he ran. I didn't see what he ran at Illinois' pro day. I'll but give the, I'll give the exact let's go numbers. with this, Bert. He, he jumps off the charts, right? Something off the charts, 46. is crazy. You know, it's unheard of. So he ran 46 and a half, 46 point, 46.5 was his ridiculous. And did he have a 40 time? I'm getting it right. Oh, now. sorry. What I'm trying to say is make sure they match up. You don't want to see something out of whack where, like, and we talked about this before. So he ran a 448, you know, on NFL Network's Illinois Pro Day time, 448. 24 reps and he's a big receiver so he's really i mean look at him he's a no-brainer as far as the workout numbers now you got to put the tape on now what are you seeing as a receiver he's a big wide out right so you know one thing bigger wide outs don't always run great routes that's just what that's the give off the smaller wide outs obviously are quicker in and out of breaks so when you see a big wide out like him you want to make sure he a big wide out plays big and that's what we always talk about big play big he does that. We see him high point the ball. We see him out jump guys in traffic. And that's where he's utilizing his skill set. Now you know what the vision is for that player in your offense. Where, okay, if I get this guy, don't ask him to be the route runner. Don't ask him to uncover against man on third down. That's your guy that you want on the one-cut routes in traffic to go up and make plays. The Giants just signed a guy, Galladay. Who, that's what he does best. You know, he's a jump ball type receiver where he's not going to uncover as a route runner. But those guys have value, and you can't ignore pro days. I, I we joke about it, but you can't ignore them. You do want to pay attention to them. Like in my mind, I can remember the best three cone drill I ever watched was D'Angelo Hall from Virginia Tech. It was like a four two seven. It was like a, a, a time is that, that right or a six two seven. It was off the chart. Six two seven. Because we talk about DK Metcalf. His three cone drill is was terrible because he has scared teams off because he's tall and stiff. So you can't. That's why you can't care about it. But you do remember the great ones like the forty yard dashes. I was lucky enough to see Devin Hester, Chris Johnson in per, like those were four twos that I never saw in my life. You know, I remember Calvin Johnson doing his broad jump, being sick, however tall he was, and jumping out of the building. How do you guard a Calvin Johnson if he's six five and he's jumping forty? In, like, see what I'm saying? So you, you know, it all, it does stay in your head these numbers, and it's fun to see these guys compete and what they're doing. But you still have to go back to the film and still how, how as a coach or how as a GM does he fit your offense? And you better have a plan and a vision. Coach Sean Payton and Andy Reid, who I was lucky enough to be around, those two, always had to say – they always use the word vision. I always have a vision for this player. And once you hear them say that, boom, you know that guy can make it. 
so perfectly said, Jim. I mean, it really is about having a plan, a vision. As the great Jerry Jeff Walker said, you never want to be pissing in the wind. I like that. You don't want want to piss in the wind and just, you know, go on a way. Like, you know, we were talking about the Raiders last week, right? John Gruden and Mike Mayock are pissing in the wind. What are they doing? What's the plan there with Oakland, Las Vegas? Guarantee you. Are are you going rook? Are you trying to get picks and get all these young players? Are you you going veterans with the Jordy Nelsons of the world and the twilight of their career? That is pissing in the wind. Well, so you have. Great song for people out there. Really good. So you have a quarterback that is very talented in car. You have a running back that you drafted and hit on in Jacobs. Those two guys both need an offensive line. So what do you do in this big year? You destroy the offensive line. Now, they might have a plan in place we don't know about. But if I'm Jacobs and Carr, I'm like, what's going on right now? I mean, hey, uh, last I checked in Vegas, offense wasn't the problem. Yeah. The defense was the issue. Their defense couldn't stop anybody. But they're getting – so this just goes back a little bit, and I know we're Bills friendly here a little bit as far as what we talk about, but this is why I like what the Bills have done where, hey, let's not lose our guys. Let's We know we're good. Let's keep our guys intact. Where the Raiders, why don't you get creative and try to keep that O-line intact for right. one more right. year – Build the defense up. Draft better. Do, do, get creative. Be a better evaluator. Hey, you, you're you're the part of the reason the defense isn't good. You missed on some high picks, you know, and be held accountable. But to take to to destroy the offensive line when you have Derek Carr and Jacobs as a running back that, that, and and good receivers, that, that makes no sense to me. And a tight end who's Waller. Darren Waller. I mean, the, the you, second or your offense best isn't the problem. Yeah. Keep your offense intact. Build your defense. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get it. I, I, but at least I mean, they're at least they're living in Vegas. <laughs> they can they can gamble on some. Gruden can go to Hooters in Vegas. He can, yeah. Just sauntering on into a Hooters at the combine. Yeah. Like, that might have been my favorite story from that combine podcast. I'm, I'm picturing John Gruden. And please, go back and listen to that podcast if you haven't, folks. But, I mean, our best combine memory is John Gruden just stumbling on into a Hooters. Hey, you never know what could happen, right? You know, we were, talking, luck, about, we were talking about just, hey, mock drafts, throw anybody up there, make yourself famous. And John Clayton, long-time you know, ESPN, and now he's doing his own thing, uh, reporter. But we saw him at that good old steak and shake about 2 a.m. Oh, when yeah. you start seeing people, right? And this is when I was working for the Philadelphia Eagles. And John was John was definitely having some fun somewhere else, just like we all were. And we're all in line waiting to get our food. And, and we were trying to mess with him a little bit. And this is when I was with the Eagles. And we had Brian Westbrook, Buck Calder, and Deuce Staley. And, and Dorsey Levin is kicking around? Mm, I think he was on his – I think he might have been out okay. by then. Not, I got to look back. But we said, let's just mess with So we just brought up, like, you know, hey, you know, I think we should do the trade. You know, we should make a trade and get rid of one of those guys. I forget which guy we said. And all of a sudden, Clayton just, his head kind of just, like, you know, shoots back at you. Like, hey, what are you guys talking about? Are you guys being serious right now? Oh, yeah, we're being serious. And we, we're loaded in the backfield. You don't know what might happen. Long story short, it, it didn't go anywhere, but... Um, 
That's the stuff that happens at the combine. You might you might be in line at Steak and Shake with John Clayton. This is at what two three a.m. I'd say around that. You know the weigh-ins are what six thirty seven a.m. Yeah, yeah. And you have to go watch these guys get weighed. I mean, you're you're, you're getting your drinks in at uh, Prime Forty Seven. Telling you, Kilroy's. I'm telling you, the combine. You're stumbling on back to the J Dub. We always we always talk about how many thirty the thirty for thirty on Florida's teams with Urban Meyer, and then. Can somebody do a 30 for 30 just on the combine? I mean, I don't know what the hell happens on Jerry Jones's bus. That Cowboys bus is posted up right outside of Prime 47. Stuff goes down on that bus yeah. that I don't – I've heard stories. I'm not going to even say it on this podcast. Same, we're, same. we're pretty unfiltered, but same. it's pretty bad. I think we've all heard them, but if we're not there, we can't talk about it. Right, right. Hey, what happens on the bus stays on the bus. On the bus. Right. It's pretty great, though, with John Clayton. It's so funny. But he always looked disheveled. Yeah. You know, I, I – not to – He does like, a great job, though. I, no, I, I think he does a great job. Look, he's – I mean, he's an all-timer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's getting guys in the Hall well, of Fame, know, I, too. I, I, when I think he's – he approaches the job the right way. You know, we had the great, the late great Therese Paler on well, here. And, I mean, I, it's, I still can't believe he's, he's gone, you know, a week after we had him on the podcast, Jim, but – I, I mean, I've got to say it again. I mean, Therese, he, he attacked the job. He didn't approach it. He didn't tiptoe into it. He didn't punch in or punch. He freaking attacked it how you should. Balls to the wall, reporting the shit out, the hell out of story. Like, he worked his ass off day in and day out. I loved it. I mean, we felt like kindred spirit. I remember hanging out with him at the Senior Bowl at Veets and just talking about the business. And I tell you what, it's not – it's not a lot of people like that anymore. You know, it's, it's a lot of what's going to get me the most likes and retweets and on Twitter than actually doing the work. I think John Clayton approached, approaches it. I didn't give a shit about any of that. And that's what that's why you, everybody always respected and why John Clayton He's not was pumping so, out seven-round mock drafts. He wasn't doing seven-round mocks. And <clears throat> I know in the front office on the inside, obviously we deal with the media a lot. And, you know, with you with – I always, I always thought – that I respected anybody in the media that wrote a story outside the box or challenged you with a good question that made you actually think a little bit like, hey, you're right about that. You know, just something off the chat. Not, what did you see, you know, after a draft? Uh, what did you like about Sammy Watkins? What, what do you want me to tell you? I mean, what didn't, everybody likes Sammy Watkins. I want to know, a great question, and this is where I challenge people in the media sometimes is, the question should have been when you trade up for a receiver like Sammy Watkins, the best question in that press conference should have been, hey, is he clearly the best receiver in this draft? Because if not, you made the wrong move. Mm-hmm. Is he clearly better than Mike Evans and Odell Beckham? If he's not, why'd you trade up for him? That would have been a question that would have stumped me. <laughs> I probably would have. So you would have but you would have appreciated <clears throat> that. You, I would, because I, I appreciate what you got. Everybody does, and I like yeah, to be challenged. And, no, but it's those are the questions when you're in. The, like, come strong with the question. Right. You don't want to tiptoe around it and bullshit and be cliche with it. And you know, I wish we would have got to know each other a little bit more when I was on that we village. We, you know, we, I think we crossed paths a couple times, but we didn't really catch up like we should. Uh, anyways, those were some wild times. Jim. If you would have done a mock, a seven round mock. If you would have predicted all seven rounds, it, look, what's more impossible, predicting one team's seven-round mock 
or the NCAA bracket. Ooh, I mean the seven round box. I don't think I don't think either one could ever happen. No. But a perfect bracket and a seven round mock. Not not for the whole league, for one team. Like do the Bills seven round mock. There's no way you'll even, you won't get through one round prize. Yeah, you're pissing into the wind. There. Like who gets into the, even the third round? Correct. So with 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 the Josh and Matter Baby, like, yep. what do you do with a player like this, Jim? Like, did you run across guys who blew up at the combine or their pro day? Was there a player? All right. So with, was there a player who just well was unbelievable? And you did, and you know, we're mocking this all, but like, was no. there a guy that gave you pause and you're like, okay, let's look at this player? Whereas you're saying he was better than maybe we like his numbers were better than where we saw him, kind of as a player on tape. Um, what's funny is exactly that, right. It, it, it yeah overwhelmed it overwhelmed the tape, what which you, is yes. not there. So Josh Matter baby he he had the nine touchdowns on 33 receptions like 640 or 650 yards. Um, so he did have one year of, of pretty good production and on a bad team and a bad offense. They upset Wisconsin that year. Which his so. teammate? I talked to the running back on that team. He said he was a man possessed that week leading up to it. But I just wonder, like, at what point can you look at this stuff and say, "All right, that matters more than what I saw on the film." So I'm going to just give you a guy that comes to mind. We talked about this before. We we brought up Anquan Bolden. That was a long time ago, and then a little more recently, um, I didn't personally scout this player, but his name was Jason Smith from Baylor, offensive tackle. Oh, yeah. He was the second pick of the draft, okay? Second pick of the draft. Now, our scout, who is now, at the time I was working for the Saints, our Southwest scout who scouted him, Josh Lucas, who's with the Chicago Bears now, director of player personnel, he was not as high on him as a player on tape. He just, you know, he, he thought he had some flaws. And then he blows up the combine. I mean, blows it out, right? Everything you want. I remember. Goes second in the draft and was a huge bus like he didn't do anything and i'm just telling you those stories where you can't fall in love with these workout numbers you've got to at least just balance it out go back check yourself it doesn't mean you were right and and you and that you know just because that guy worked out great it doesn't mean he's going to be good but go back and check yourself that's what i use pro days and combines for it's just it's just a way to like say hey Maybe I was too hard on him, or hey, maybe he's better. And then the opposite of that for me was, and we talked about this before too, was Cyrus Quanjo from Alabama, yeah. where his tape was really good. He's not getting beat by guys. You know, he looks the part. He has the length. You know, he's tough. But his combine was horrendous. I mean, he couldn't run. He couldn't bench. He couldn't jump. And you're like, wow, that bad? And you're kind of like, well, I don't want to, you know, I still want to trust the tape. And you know what? He did have some fatal flaws, so I always use that word "fatal flaw" as that's a good way where maybe this guy is his feet are too slow or he has no explosion. But it's just a way to check yourself. That's a great point. I think the combine. It's like okay, this is a this is kind of like your first big job interview as a draft prospect. So are you going to show up to this job interview like failing drug tests? And being out of shape and stumbling around cones and dropping pat like if you're doing that kind of stuff, then maybe you're taking out the draft board. Like maybe maybe you should be. Like oh, there's knocked no down. doubt. Like there's no doubt. So, but in terms of you know moving yourself up the board, it's harder to do that. 
I mean, DK Metcalf didn't put up great numbers at Ole Miss, but he did run a 4-3-3. He did and bench like big? crazy. And he's how big? 230. 6-3, like, and he's ripped, like, no body fat. So, like, they're... That's what's fascinating to me, Jim. It's like, oh. like occasionally there is that guy no that does blow this up, and you do need to turn your head. Josh Amato, maybe he might be that guy. He might, and he might. But let's let's think about this though with Metcalf. What are the when I watch Metcalf in the NFL right now, the, the two things I think that might prevent him from being a dominant wideout are route running and consistent hands. I see drops. Okay, now you go back and talk to anybody that scouted him at Ole Miss, and the things that the reason they were afraid to pull the trigger on him high, high, is high cut guy, stiff route runner. So you're not ready to say he's arrived. I'm not. I don't. I don't see him as a true number one right now. I don't. I don't think he strikes the fear in defenses right now that certain guys might. I would take Diggs over him as a Bills guy. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're not doing. Okay, you're not there with Metcalf, but. I'm just saying as a guy where you have to game plan, Metcalf, just don't let him get by. Like, you know what, he's, he's big and fast. You know, so you know what he can do. But the things he can't do, I don't know how much better he's going to become as a yeah. route runner because of his limitations, just because of his size, and his hands aren't natural. That scares me. I'm just looking, You mentioned Jason Smith, so I just pulled up that draft and – Oh yeah, I you guess can. to the what was um, there's Aaron Curry. We talked about Aaron yeah. Curry from Wake Forest. Where and Stafford, Jason Smith, Tyson Jackson, Aaron. So just Curry, go through those Mark top Sanchez. five picks. Ones. Okay. I mean, it's unbelievable. Okay. So bus. right. So Stafford definitely was a good pick. I mean, you had to take a guy like him number one. Has it? Has he? Look, to be honest, I mean, you could probably make an argument that Stafford. I mean, he's a good quarterback. He's a really good well, quarterback. Well, when you see all the players but then you see taking the boss, after him, Jason then Smith, uh, you literally Jackson, wouldn't take it. Uh, Aaron Gurry, uh, Sanchez, uh. Andre Smith was Remember a his really combine? awful. Jiggling about? Jiggling. There you go. Jiggling. And a much better player than Jason Smith, right? Much better That's career. That's a great point. Like so, Darius Hayward Bay. Remember that picture that Hayward went viral? Why'd he go yeah. high? Speed. Straight line fast. Al Davis. Gene Monroe, DJ Raji, Michael Kreb, Aaron Maven, complete boss, no Sean Marino. I mean, no Sean Marino. Now, if we ever could get Shady McCoy on here, and we'll try to someday, Shady was in this draft, and he to this day can't believe, and I agree with him because I, I didn't see, I scouted both of them. No Sean was a straight, just good football player that didn't have speed, wasn't, he was a stiff athlete, wasn't natural like anything he did. He goes that high, and Shady was where? Second round? Yeah, there 53rd he is. 53rd overall. And yeah. if you bring Noshawn Marino up, Shady will get mad. How does LaShawn McCoy fall to 53rd overall? I mean, because we're looking at a draft where ran, a lot of crap in that draft. He was he was a not a big back, not a small back. He ran a 4-4-9, four, four, a 4-5. Wasn't a blazer. Jumped 39 inches, right? People did not do, and when I say people, the NFL didn't do a good job on scouting him. They didn't understand how tough he was, how much he loved football, how smart he is. His hands are natural in the pass game. There's, I can't think other than Barry Sanders. Can you think of a guy making people miss more than LaShawn McCoy in small areas? I mean, he was special. Special. LaShawn McCoy is so special. And I'm so happy that his career is going how it is here at the end where he's getting his rings and doing his thing because 
you do the guy is electric. Like his energy is amazing on the football field. He and Percy Harvin. We we had a walkthrough before a game one weekend, and Shady's like, Jim, come over here. And they were it was a special teams part, so neither one of them, they were sitting there talking. Shady says to me, he and, he and Percy made a bet. Okay, he didn't. He's like, hey, we just made a bet. I want, I'm not going to tell you how much they bet because it's crazy. Hundreds or thousands. Mm. Two NFL superstars. You you do the math. But the bet was who had more. I think NFL Hall of Famers, the state of Pennsylvania out of high school, or the state of Virginia where Percy was from. Shady's from Harrisburg, PA. Percy's from Virginia. And I said, I was like, hey, off the top of my head. Like, I didn't want to, I was like, hey, I don't know. I don't want to settle this, but we're going to have to look it up. They didn't look, because they didn't have their phones. It was practice. I said, I'm going PA off the top of my head. Yeah. Just because a little bigger state, blah, blah, blah. All right, so we look it up. So I was like, all right. So I pull my phone out of my pocket. I'm sitting. They're both watching me. I pull it up. It was Pennsylvania. Shady went nuts. Percy was mad. But that's, <laughs> I'm telling you, Shady is that type of love of football guy where he just loves it. He wants the history of it. And I don't know. Just being around him made anybody that would be around Shady McCoy, you just want to be around him. Like, it's awesome. we got to get him on the podcast. Well, I think we could try. You know, let's see how he's. Well, let's see who he goes to this year, because whoever he goes to, I'm going to be betting NFL futures on them winning the I mean, Super Bowl. Is he, is he, he wants to keep playing. He should. He Why should. Not? Why not? Until they tell they, – they sh- you should always play until somebody tells you no. I agree. I agree. Fantastic. It's like drinking. Until somebody cuts you off. <laughs> Why and not gambling. keep – And gambling. Until somebody says it's a problem, you got to keep doing it. <laughs> Words of wisdom on the Go Along podcast. Just drink and gamble until somebody cuts you off. I like it. We're helping people out here, Jim. That's the best advice I think we can give people. Well, on the next episode, so it will be posted here shortly, we're going to have our conversation with Chris Manhurst. And it it was fascinating. I mean, Jim, I mean, just give the folks a preview of Chris and... How you two connected and, and how why I think this is so strange? You just don't see this in the NFL. I think for anybody that just enjoys good stories about how, you know, just people make it in general, not even in sports, but this is just a guy that, you know, never played football and learned to play the game of football in the NFL and made a team, made a roster, and kept fighting and now got paid in free agency. And just to see that... Uh, come about and you know guy from the Bronx New York and plays here in Buffalo right. Canisius like if you don't like that story then you know I don't know if you really should li- talk about sports or listen to sports it's why you get into scouting it's cool to see and uh, it's really just a credit to why you need to learn what makes these players tick inside and not the 40 times because Chris Manhurts right. can't run a 40 right but if you want if you want a blocking that. tight end, that was perfect, Jim. I mean, I think it was. So we we recorded the interview, and you'll you'll hear it on the podcast next. But obviously, humble, oh. um, hardworking, a man of very few words, but they carry a lot of weight. And this is somebody that is an inspiration to a lot of people because you don't see this. You don't see somebody not play football in high school, in college, last in the NFL for eight seasons, and he just signed a contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's 
unheard of. It's ins- and he was right here in Western New York. The only thing we should do, it would probably be easy to find out. Not easy. It would take a little time. But is there a guy in the NFL right now that didn't play college football other than Chris Manders? I'm just wondering. Off the top of your head, it doesn't come to mind, right? There's got to be somebody, but maybe nothing at the top of my head. If there is, it won't be many, right? Right. I mean, we're talking about maybe two or like he might be the only guy. Because I thought Vince Williams, who we had on our happy hour on Go Along, which we gotta gotta sell Go Along, right? Every Friday night we have a special guest on the happy hour. Vince Williams was phenomenal, and I thought Vince put it perfect. It's a war of attrition. It is. You know very early on in this sport, is this for me or is this not for me? And as we talked about with Chris, like, I, I can remember vividly, like, you know, I grew up in Salamanca, Ellicottville, New York. I played peewee and midget football down in uh, Bradford, Pennsylvania. My dad worked down there. So I went down there. The KOA Crush, the Kendall Oilers, our sponsors, and... I mean, I can remember those hitting drills. I can remember being out there, and it's like bowl in the ring. And if you don't know what bowl in the ring is, you've got players lined up in a circle, and you have one player in the middle of that circle, and everybody in the circle has a number, and the coach calls out a number, and that player just beelines to knock the shit out of the player that's in the middle of that circle. That was football up until about a few years ago when CTE awareness kind of grew and that drill was basically outlawed. But you know, you know if this is for you or if this is not for you. And you have to bust through that wall to stick with it. And I, I can remember sticking with it. And it's the fact that Chris Manhurts didn't have peewee football, midget football, modified football, JV football, varsity football, High school, college, college. college football. He didn't have any of that. And here he is in the NFL for eight seasons. It's mind-boggling. I thought that was a great question by you to him. To like, how did you know you could even be cut out for this? And to your point, like you do know when, like Chris has a great answer when people listen. How he's like, I need to find a way. How am I going to make this? You know, and he he you know he found his niche as a blocking tight end. And it makes me think about I, my mom tells a story when I was in like third or fourth grade, and I was so you know obviously I was all into sports. And she wanted me to be diverse and try other things and have me do the Boy Scouts for a day or two. And she tells a story. I came walking out the first time at the Boy Scouts thing, and I was just shaking my head like, no, thank you. <laughs> I, I don't – this isn't my style. I don't want to fold flags. I don't want to, like, sit around like that. That's not my style. But to your point is you know at a young age or whatever age, is, is this cut out for me? Somehow Chris Manhurts – Started playing football in the NFL and realized I can do this. And I think it's one of the greatest stories. It, it really is. I, ho- I hope everybody enjoys the conversation because we definitely did. But um, thank you, everybody, for listening. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to keep it rolling. Hey, Hopperonium, Louis IPAs, March Madness. We're in full gear right now. Absolutely. It's. I mean, if, if you're going to go anywhere, if you're listening and you're in Western New York, which, as we've said, we can't thank you enough for listening. I mean, I think a lot of our base is Buffalo born, Buffalo bred. Come out to Hamburg Brewery. It's we're looking around here right now. It's it's amazing. It, it's great to see people out and about. We've got some nice weather in Western New York, so um, the outdoor area is open. You can get out there. They've got a nice pond. 
throw back a few beers, bring your families, and we'll bring ours. We'll get away from the Coco Melon and the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and the March Madness and, you know, that's life, Jim. Don't drink, don't gamble. Absolutely. Only if you can afford to do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to subscribe to Go Along at golongtd.com. Hoodie, crew, send some swag your way. We still got it. Let me know. Thanks for listening, everybody.